This is Inside Carolina's On The Beat Live, Tuesday night, 9 o'clock. Welcome in people in the waiting room. VIP, let the uh, rope down so everybody could get in. It's time to get going. Johnny T-shirt, Johnny T-shirt. I'm Ross Martin, Adam Smith, Taylor Vipolis. NFL insider Taylor Viffle uh, dropping scoops that rival Donnie Scoops, and of course, producer John Bowman making the world go round with the sweatshirt. Let's get right into it. Ross, I'm going to let you decide what we talk about first. A lot of Carolina football news, a lot of Carolina, well, not so much Carolina basketball news, a lot of waiting and seeing. Um, but where are we going first? <clears throat> yeah. Um, can y'all hear me okay? I, I'm having some issues with my headset, but. You sound um, great. The dulcet. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a weird time. We were we we're kind of talking about it today, Tommy. I mean, there was a football availability today. Um, we had Clyde Christensen, the QB guru, um, who's come in to work with with Drake May and the UNT offense, and we had uh, Ted um, Mata Kino, uh, who was very impressive, who's coming in to work with the pass rush. So we talked to both of them today for about 15, 20 minutes, along with a 40-minute a time with Mac Brown. So we could start there. Um, I don't know about basketball. I mean, I guess the only news that we haven't talked about is Dontrez Styles' decision beyond some um, transfer portal stuff you can find from Sherelle on the message boards. There's nothing really concrete there either. Um, so we're kind of in a waiting game, which was kind of one of the suggestions for a, um, a title for the show. So – I mean, this is start for the press conference, and then maybe we can get some basketball talk at the end. Um, but how about I'm gonna kick it to Adam? I mean, Adam, you're at the press conference. I, I thought the two analysts, I think you see that on the boards too, like the two impressive guys that Mac brought in to improve areas of need. That's the pass rush, that's some red zone offense. I think Clyde Christensen is just a bonus to improve um, Drake May and to work with a, a you know a new. Um, offensive coordinator and chip Lindsay what was your major takeaway with those two guys because it was it was interesting to talk to them you know new guys we had not mentioned were guys with so much NFL experience um I, that was it was uh two very impressive individuals I suggest you watch the YouTube videos from those press conferences yeah I mean I couldn't agree more uh, I I don't have I don't have anything to uh give you a counterpoint there Ross I mean I thought they both were super impressive and I don't know. In terms of a, a main takeaway, um, I don't I, – Mac, I mean, Mac, there's a reason they always say that Mac Brown wins the offseason every offseason. Uh, <laughs> like, you know, I, he was he was fun to listen to today. Like, you know, he's he keeps getting slimmer, I think, although we don't have an official weight loss number on uh, for Mac. And, you know, he was saying, like he, – he said it's a really healthy time he meant for the UNC football coaching staff, but that guy seems super refreshed and I don't know, reinvigorated or invigorated. Um, Mac Brown, I mean, and I think it just goes along with the level of experience and expertise they have with Clyde Christensen. What Clyde Christensen, 26 years in the NFL. He's a UNC alum. 
I mean, the stories the man has, he said he coached Drake May's dad, Mark May, at a at a football throwing camp in Charlotte back in the day when, when Mark May was in high school. Uh, lived in the same suite in Airing House with Lawrence Taylor. You know, like, oh, by the way, throw in Tom Brady, Andrew Luck, Peyton Manning. You know, like, I, I think if you're a Carolina football fan, you're just – these are super interesting individuals. You, you look at uh, Ted Monacino and – uh, some will call him Monticello. That was uh, I made a mistake thinking that was what his name was at the start. Um, but you know the work he did with Terrell Suggs with the Ravens. I mean, I think there's just so much to like. Uh, and as we said, we've said it before, just so many new voices and new eyeballs to to take a look at what's going on with the Carolina football program and to to help out. Let's get Vip in here. Vip uh, Monacino was with the Falcons, and that's how he ran across Gene Chizik. Um, you broke some scoop about the Falcons earlier this week, so I'd like to get your insight here on the North Carolina Tar Heel scoop as well. You, you pretty much – you kind of like I am with the basketball team. You said all you needed to say about football at the end of last season. But where are you as they add these analysts um, and sort of bolster the coach, coaching staff this route by going this route? I thought – uh, Monacino was fantastic to listen to. And somebody asked, one of us asked the question directly about how are you going to work with Tim Cross or what is it like working with Tim Cross? And that addresses the 20,000-pound elephant in the Inside Carolina Tar Pit message board room there. But, Vip, what do you think about Mac tacking on an NFL talent, at least in the coaching rooms? Yeah, I think just listening to those two guys – they were really impressive to hear from. And I don't think there was times last year, I think I said it after the ACC championship game where I felt like North Carolina was at um, a, a disadvantage from, from the get-go in games because of the coaching. And when you bring in experience like that, when you bring in somebody like Freddie Kitchens, I think that does start to level the playing field. And with the way that North Carolina has been recruiting, they should be competing with, teams a lot better than they were competing with teams at the end of the last year where Clemson runs them out. Um, Oregon beats them. South Carolina, um, NC state beats them. Georgia tech beats them. And I think a lot of that was, was on the coaches. I, I get that players have to play, but when the coaches are putting players in disadvantageous positions, it, it's going to be hard to succeed. And I think one of the things that I was the most impressed with, hearing Mac Brown talk today is how honest he was with the the shortcomings of last year's teams where he said, you know, he, I think his, his main quote was about changing the narrative that on the defensive side of the ball, they're soft. They can't stop the run offense. They're, they're pretty, they could score a lot of points, but they're not physical in the run game. And it, it, this whole off season with how honest Mac Brown has been about the program, it seems like they're trying their best to, to address those concerns. And when you have a quarterback like Drake May, who's, uh, you know, arguably uh, the best quarterback in college football, I think I think I can make that argument for him. Um, but when you have a quarterback like that, the, the ceiling for a team shouldn't be nine wins. And I, I think that was kind of the biggest takeaway that I had from listening to that is that they're trying to address their shortcomings and they do realize you know, the, the golden ticket they have with somebody like Drake May at quarterback. Yeah, and, and building on that point, Taylor, 
I think in addition to coaching being a real emphasis this offseason, recruiting seems to be de-emphasized. Not to say that UNC isn't recruiting, but what I mean by that is so much of the talk in the offseason and around the Carolina football program in the first few years of Mac Brown's tenure was all about recruiting, locking down the state of North Carolina, getting the elite prospects to come in, the four and the five-star guys. And to me, the press conferences today, the whole spring, there's been a noticeable shift in all about talent in the you know quality of the coaches in the room and really coaching up the guys that are already on the roster. And I think that's the perfect time in this Mac Brown uh, tenure to be making that shift because we know through the recruits they've gotten the last few years, they have a lot of really good guys on the roster. It's all about coaching them up, and that's been the big deficiency. And one final point, Adam. If uh, Mac Brown is, is losing a little bit of weight, we got to get him on the John Bowman four quesadilla cookout tray order. That'll wow. go right back up. So no worries. If he needs any help with that, I'll, I'll tell him how to order. I mean, the man is 70 years old. I don't know if he needs to be like counting quesadillas from cookout. You have an NIL deal with cookout? That's stuff? exactly what I was about to say. <laughs> Literally, word we're gonna for have word. To, we're going to gonna have to bleep that out in uh, post-production. No free ads. <laughs> it's a great great point John made about I mean they have the talent now and and you know there's the thought of UNC you know wasting this talent wasting Sam Howe wasting this this stud Drake May and, and really some great defenders um on defensive line and at running back and wide receiver so like bring in bring in NFL veterans coaching veterans who can get the most out of them um you know I think someone said this it might have been you Adam or someone after the press conference like Max done everything he's putting, you know, he's bringing in everybody he can to, to get this done and to try to improve where they need to. Um, and he'll remind, he'll remind you that they won nine games last year. I mean, it is kind of crazy. We do talk about this season like they weren't good because of how they finished. That's why I think it would have been so big if they had won the NC State game or the bowl game. You know, both games, they were very close. And so, I mean, they were very close to, to winning 11 games, obviously not the ACC championship game. So, um, and one thing just to kind of clear from a from an admin standpoint – these coaches, uh, these two new coaches they brought in, they can't do any on-the-field coaching during practice. It's very vague. It's a rule that's probably broken more than any other rule. But technically, they can't do any on-the-field coaching during practice. They can make suggestions in meetings. They can observe. They can watch. They can talk to coaches. They can be in all the meetings. They can be at practice. But they can't really do the on-the-field coaching. That's the 10 assistants. Just like in basketball, there's only three assistants. So technically, a guy like Jackie Manuel in basketball isn't allowed to coach. Now, this rule is probably broken every school, everywhere, especially with all the different uh, analysts that, that schools like you know Georgia and Alabama have. But in April, I guess they're voting on it, and there's momentum to switch this to allow these coaches to 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 be more of an on-field coach. So we'll see if that rule gets changed uh, here in a couple in a month. Yeah, that that is that's what they're talking. About. Oh, so, I'm sorry, Tommy. No, go ahead, Adam. How about the circumstances of it all? I was just thinking, like with as Ross was talking there, Max said that you know they they have the they have their high school coaches clinic, which is coming up this weekend, Friday and Saturday. By the way, if you're a UNC football fan, open practice on Saturday morning at Keenan Stadium, 10 a.m. You can get in there and watch them work out for two hours. It's all free. It's supposed to be a beautiful day, I've told by uh, meteorologist Mac Brown, um, but. You know, like, what? how about the circumstance? Or is it is serendipity the right word? I don't even know if I know what that means. Uh, but uh, he said they hit up Clyde Christensen to try to be sort of the keynote speaker 
or like the featured guest for their for their coaching clinics for their high school coaching clinics. Come to find out, he's retiring from the Tampa Bay Bucks. And then Max said they went in hard as hell on seeing if they could hire Clyde rather than just make him the uh, the the guest speaker for the weekend. So I thought that was kind of kind of interesting. And Clyde Max said Clyde said, "Well, give me a week to think about it." And um, sure enough, it worked out. And I just wanted to go back to a point that that John made, where it seems like there's been a de-emphasis on bringing in the talent and more on coaching up the talent. Like you, you could bring in as as much five-star talent as you want, but if they're getting coached up like like low-level two, three-star guys, you kind of see the re- results that Carolina gets, where they're dead last in in the ACC in sacks and one of the worst defenses in the country. And I thought. Um, from Monticino's press conference, the, one of the most interesting lines that he said that I wrote down was uh, he was talking about his focus with the pass rush. And he said, my job specifically with the pass rushers is going to be to add tools to their toolbox. I'm not going to try to remake any player. Um, and I, I thought that was interesting because when you see somebody like the players that Carolina has along their defensive line, the, the biggest critique that, uh, you know, people like myself or Jason has is that they really don't have anything in their toolbox besides like one one move. And if an offensive lineman and if offensive tackle at, at this level knows what you're going to do, they're going to shut you down more often than not. And I think that's what, what's been really lacking from Carolina's defensive line, that, that kind of creativity where only Kamon Rucker is, is the only guy who, who seems to be able to get home on rushes. I think what's interesting to tack on what you were saying, Taylor, he said, we have fast where we need fast. We have explosive where we need explosive, big where we need big, violent where we need violent. We've got all the things we need from an ingredient standpoint. Now it's time to put them together in a way they can be effective. Straight coaching, right? They've got the talent. There's nothing, like I said to you, Ross, over at Bosch, and I've said before, Mac Brown is shrinking the list of excuses that this program could make for not winning a lot of ball games by making hires like this, because the coaching discussion is going to go away when you add somebody like Monacino from, um, I mean, look at his resume. It's ridiculous. And, and now he's an analyst for North Carolina coaching these guys. So, and same with Clyde Christensen, there are less and less excuses that anybody could make if they don't get it done. And I think Mac understands that. And I think that's why Mac, has gone all in on Drake's last year. On twenty, you know, realistic fans think twenty twenty three. Old school tar pit people will know where that came from. I think it was actually two thousand one, maybe. Anyway, it's been a while, um, but I think that that's where we're at with this football staff. What you got, Ross? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of things. Um, it, you know, they said Monta. Montachino, right? It's just it's mm. Montachino. It's like spelled like Montachino. I mean, There's no T in there either. Montachino. Yeah, but yeah, Gino, big Chino's guy. Um, so two things. Uh, you know, kind of breaking down. You know, Clyde Christensen. I mean, paint this picture. He's worked with Peyton Manning at, at the, with the Colts, Andrew Luck with the Colts. So the two best quarterbacks in Colts history, I would assume. Um, and then Tom Brady. For, for two, I guess, three years. I mean, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, probably two of the, what, two of the five best quarterbacks to ever exist. I mean, he was saying how, you know, he texts with these guys, he calls them. I asked, oh, can we get Tom Brady? 
and um, Peyton Manning and Keen Stadium next year. And it, I mean, he's like, I, he probably, yeah, these guys are my buddies. Um, so you got to think about the excellence that he has coached, the trust that those guys put in him, um, the Super Bowls that he's won. Like, imagine how that's going to weigh in recruiting, you know, not necessarily that he's a recruiter, but look who they have brought in, you know, how it's going to improve and demand the respect in the quarterback room and with offensive play calling and wide receivers, things like that. That's just impress. I mean, it's just an impressive resume when you mention the names he's worked with. And then on um, Ted Montekino, uh, you know, this guy is someone you do not want to mess with. Goatee, uh, tough. You know, I mean, he's a guy. He is a coach like all business. I know Tommy loves these guys. All business. Mm-hmm. Like there was no BS. And he came in, came out, didn't mess around. Um, very direct, you know, very stern all business approach like his guy's not messing around and you know that probably comes from an nfl standpoint when you're working with adults you're working with grown men people in their late 20s and 30s that you know it's not you're not babying college kids anymore so just kind of to paint the picture of what these two guys kind of uh resemble and look um uh clyde is a volunteer you know it's not even certain that he's gonna be here in the fall he made it seem like you know i'm a volunteer offense assistant i'm gonna see this through the spring kind of see where I am with my family, his wife, his in-laws, his wife's parents are uh, older. They live, I guess, in the mountains or around Winston-Salem. Yeah, so they want to be closer to um, his in-laws as they get older, you know, and reach a certain age. So that's one of the main reasons. So this is this is more of a volunteer, helping out where I can type situation, whereas I think um, Ted Monchino, man, this is like a job. Like he's coming to kind of, you know, be here for a year or two, see where it goes and, and get back to the NFL, get back to wherever. I mean, he's here as more of a, like, this is, this is where I'm going to commit to for the next year. So that's kind of how I paint the picture of, of those two individuals. We had the pleasure of talking with today. It's fascinating. And Christensen was in Chapel Hill um, back in the day when North Carolina football was the old school type of football. I mean, he roommated and, and credit to Adam for reading the bio. He was roommates with Lawrence Taylor. Sweet mates with Lawrence Taylor at North Carolina. It doesn't get any more badass than that when you're talking about football and guys like that. So, I mean, just a ton of – and folks need to get on there. If you didn't watch the YouTube videos, I'd strongly suggest watching the YouTube press conferences because you get a feel for them, but the written words on there as well. I knocked out uh, the defensive one. Ross did the offensive one. And then, of course, Adams got all the Mac news and notes. Um, So, check all that stuff out. Anything left – as far as the football discussion with those two. Well, briefly, LT, if those walls could talk, Aaron House Dorm, <laughs> sweet mates for three years. I've got the book. I mean, LT stories. Tommy and I were talking a little bit at Boston about it. I mean, climbing Aaron House outside. I've, I've heard stories of him throwing, um, what, Coke machines off the ninth floor. I don't know. <laughs> it's crazy. You know, Aaron House doesn't have nine floors if someone corrects me. But, um, I mean, imagine those two guys. Adam was kind of riffing on that, too, after they were gone. And Clyde said what – Clyde worked for the Dolphins, too, there for a year or two. It, it, like, the, the amazing thing about Clyde in terms of just his resume, if you look down the list, it says offensive coordinator or quarterbacks coach, all of those. I mean, he was the guy calling the plays um, and working with Tom Brady on his footwork. Like, you know, he was saying, like, you know, talking about the finer points of Tom Brady's game today. But um, he said at games at Miami, he always knew when LT before the game – was hollering at him from the sidelines. I guess LT lives in Miami. I don't know if uh, Taylor Schefter can speak to that or not. I haven't seen him. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I've, been, but, I've been camped out. 
but he said, what did he say, Ross? He said um, he used a little racier language than I'm allowed to say, but he would basically tell me that I stink or something like that. Is that what? Yeah, yeah. I like Tommy. And, and look, LT can live wherever LT wants. <laughs> Clyde seems kind of like the likable choir boy. Like, seems like a very nice, friendly, well-liked guy. Contrasted with LT, who I mean, everybody's heard oh, the stories. Adam and I were joking that maybe they brought in Clyde to calm LT down a little bit, put him in the room together, see if some of that could rub off him. Right. I believe Clyde was adopted. I believe he, he was adopted as a as a child, and his 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 father was a pastor and that's what ross and i were talking about so you bring in the son of the preacher to <laughs> try to put the Stay good word LT. on lt uh and make sure he stays eligible or alive or something so adam's gonna write the bio on clive and you got info intel coming out everywhere i don't know i think that's right i probably shouldn't say that out loud i'm pretty sure he's adopted uh <laughs> i think i read that i tried to read up on these guys when we were writing the when i had to when we had to put the stories together on him. You know? I was kind of impressed. The yellow notebook was, was kicking out knowledge. He looked at you like, hey, you know, yeah, that's, that was a pretty good question there. Uh, some bad news came out of today and that's Malachi Hamrick done for the year. Um, don't want to be uh holiday and express doctors, but it sounds like a knee issue. Um, non-contact lower body, we'll call it. Um, but it, whatever the reason, he is out for the year of 2023. Puts a lot of pressure on those jacks, um, which is Amari Gaynor and guys like that. Vip, um, spring practice. What bit of news for you would come out of spring practice, um, positive news, that would make you raise an eyebrow saying this is going to be different? A lot of people are talking about drinking the Kool-Aid and going back in and Charlie Brown's about to kick football again and all that stuff. What do you need to see or hear this spring that sort of gets you back on track? Uh, I, I don't know, to be honest, I don't know if there's anything that anybody could say in, in a press conference or hear from a report to, you know, be all in or, or think that this team has flipped the switch because like Adam said, I, I think Mac Brown is a, is a master at the press conference. I think he's the only coach who's consistently undefeated in, in press conferences. Um, so, so for me, I'm, I'm at the point where it's like the results have to start changing on the field for me to um, have, have that certain level of buy-in, but you know, things you're probably looking to hear from is like Carolina has found a way to have a more balanced offense. Carolina looks tougher. Um, they're playing with more aggression on, on both sides of the ball, especially in, in the trenches. Um, but for the most part, I would say that um, for me, at least I'm waiting until that first game before I'm kind of judging uh, the team and, and the direction of the program as a whole. I got one that I'm I'm looking for this spring, uh, building on what you were saying there, Taylor. I'm looking at Drake May, the off-the-field leader. I know last season we saw him as the on-the-field guy for this football team, but if you rewind, when we were having these shows in, in July and August, one of the main things we were talking about is a quarterback competition. And it's really hard to be a leader of a team when you don't know whether or not you're a guy at quarterback, especially someone I think like Drake May. This is, uh, you know, you know, projecting a little bit, but I could see him maybe not wanting to quite take over 
a team from a leadership perspective if he wasn't named the starting quarterback yet. So now we have an entire offseason where it's very clear who the alpha dog is on this offense. It's Drake May, and he can push his teammates to sort of play up to his standard and his level. So I'm really excited to hear more about that. Maybe it's something that we can see in the open practice this weekend or at the spring game. Maybe it's something that will come up a little bit in interviews throughout the spring. But uh, that's really exciting, and I think that could really help this football team take that next step and maybe make this next season a little bit different than the last one. Yeah, and I think that's something that that Drake probably – knows too that he has to be a better leader for this team. I'm sure he has his his um, sights set on the 2024 NFL draft and all those NFL teams are going to want to know about his leadership if, if they're considering taking him with a, a top 10 pick. Um, so I, I think that is a good point and something to kind of keep an eye out for and uh, it's probably a big emphasis for Drake at the same time. Let me ask this question, and specifically to Ross and Adam, because you guys have been around it for a long time. Um, is Mac any different? I thought Chiswick, a couple weeks ago, when whenever we covered that practice, I thought Chiswick was pretty much, we got to fix this. You know, whereas last year he was like, we're fine, everything's good or whatever. This year it was like, we got to fix this. We had issues, coaching had issues, blah, blah, blah. And now Max basically come out and said his team was soft on the defensive side. Adam, is that a difference? I mean, that seems like a little bit more candid. It's true, but it's not like they would say that a lot. Last year, if you question that, it was we've won nine ball games, Tommy. We're playing an ACC championship, Tommy. Focus on the prize. But this year, it seems like an acknowledge, acknowledgement of maybe – Maybe they're a little soft at times. Whoa, getting distracted by Gary H. There. Oh um, my God! Hair don't down. we all, Gary? Don't we great, all, buddy? Great hair. Uh, no, Tommy. Yes, I mean, it, it, I think as, as far as coaches go, um, not to compare him to the basketball coach at UNC, but like, yeah, they, he's they they've he's been a lot more candid. He has been a lot more candid. I think that's the right word. And Gene, Gene was, yeah, a week or two ago, two weeks ago when we talked to him. They, I mean, it's like we've said, they, they're saying all the right things. <laughs> you know, like, um, heck, what's today? March 21st. Still don't play a game for about, what, uh, five and a half months? I mean, <laughs> yeah, we got a long time to go here. But, but yeah, I, 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 you know, Mac's right. that, that It's interesting that Mac says we've got we've to change the narrative. Um, which he's basically saying the narrative is correct. We've been soft on defense. We've been weak against the run. I mean, obviously they know that more than – better than anyone. They see it every freaking day and every time they turn on the film and every time Notre Dame shoves it down their throat, you know, that type of thing. Um, yeah. But I, I do think uh, – sorry, Ross. I do think uh, that um, there's a level of just sort of authenticity there that you can't say that that's sort of PR – BS spin when they when they've said stuff like that and they've been upfront about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I to jump on what Adam said. I mean, yeah, he's being honest. I mean, I think he's pretty honest overall. I think what he says in the media after games sometimes gets blown out of proportion. But he's mentioned Cross a couple times now. You know that you know he knows that Cross is getting heat because it's the stats don't lie about pressures and run defense. Like Max, not an idiot. He sees everything he knows everything i mean this guy's been coaching forever I mean, he coached at texas like he's 
he knows when things are going bad in certain areas. He's aware of that. So, yeah, I think he's been more honest. I think mentioning Cross is, you know, mentioning a, a particular coach is is eye-opening. But this is big boy football. I mean, this isn't, you know, these guys get paid a lot of money to coach them up. So they should be held to a certain um, level. So I think you've seen a little bit more of that, um, Tommy. And uh, you're calling out positions and areas that need to be called out. Uh, you mentioned Jax and Malachi Hamrick. I just thought, I mean, this is on the beat. So a little, you know, a little bit more on that. I mean, so he was, he, he played some last year, Malachi Hamrick, out for the year, uh, non-contact uh, injury, lower body injury. So you look to Amari, Amari Ferrari, Amari Gaynor out of FSU, probably your starting Jack anyway. And then I think, am I wrong, Adam? Cayman Rucker is a full-time Jack. Didn't Gene just say that? That's what he said. That's what he, he can said play both. He can... yeah, that he's, he had been spe- specifically working with the Jacks. He hadn't been going back and forth to power yeah. in. Yeah, he's one of your best pass rushers. So he'll probably split time with Gaynor and, and maybe play a little end as well. Um then beyond that, I mean, what is it? Is there's Gabe Stevens on the roster? There's two freshmen, Jabron Harvey and Tyler Thompson. I mean, Tyler Thompson looks like, you know, he looks like Leaky Black. He was a freshman. He's skinny. <laughs> you know, he's 6'5", uh, 200. Like this guy is not going to be playing. I don't think next year on the defensive line. So um, there was a comment about adding a, a pass rusher. I think they would accept a pass rusher than transfer portal if someone. Um, no, they need you know they need as many people they can get that can compete, make them better. So the depth is hurt with Malachi Hamrick. I don't think it affects will affect any results. Uh, I think he was kind of third, fourth on the depth chart. You know, a, a a sophomore who who got time over some other players last year, but was definitely not an impact player we were looking at for the 2023 season. You know, he held sack record that. Shelby, and it was very productive high school player, fast guy off the edge. Sorry, Adam. I didn't mean to step on you there, Ross. I'm sorry. You're right. right. I think that his high school, the stuff he did in high school is very relevant. And I didn't mean to step on you there. But I was going to say about Malachi. I mean, you know, he was a part of that third down package they would bring in last year. The, you know, the speed rushers and then the the dime coverage. Um, so, you know, he, he was one of those guys, along with Jacoby Cowan and some of those other guys, they'd sort of just turn loose and say, rush the passer. You remember Gene would talk about, well, we don't really get too specific. Um, but, you know, they were – he was on the field there when they clinched the game against Miami. He was on the field when uh, at App when they were trying to hold on for dear life. Malachi Hamrick, I'm saying. I remember Ross and I said, who is 24? Oh, it's Malachi Hamrick. Okay. Um, you know, that. But, but also just to – I mean, this is a hard shift here. I was thinking about this earlier when, when Ross was talking and wanted to add to it. I don't know if you guys this registered with you all, but – I thought it was super interesting when Max said toward sort of toward the end today when we were talking to him, he said, you know, he coached at Texas 16 years and he said he believed that he only had three or four coaching changes in 16 years. He, you know, he was like, don't hold me to that number, but that's kind of unbelievable. Um, and I and think he that, thought that was a good thing at the time. Right. Because exactly. Because in that, and you can see why you were thinking like the continuity of it all. And no one wants to go leave because of the success they're having and and um, those type of things. And yeah, obviously, we're going to the national championship game. But, um, you know, that sort of went along to the whole, I don't know, just the different air that you see from Mac, at least publicly in these press conferences, uh, when we've talked to him the last couple of weeks and been around him at practice. You know, Ross and I and Tommy and I were around him at practice a couple of weeks ago, and it was super fun to just – 
shoot the crap with him, you know, while they're practicing. Um, well, but I thought that, that was really interesting about the how many people that there was there was no change at Texas virtually when he was there. Did he end up saying that that like change is good because you get new ideas? Wasn't that I thought that's like kind of where you were taking it? Like, yeah, adding coaches from different backgrounds brings in new ideas, and you don't get stale in your play calling, stale in practices. So the fact that they've had a lot of coaching changes on the offensive side, bringing these two analysts is a good thing. You know, the stability can be a good thing, especially for recruiting, building relationships with high school coaches. But bringing in new ideas is kind of what Mac was getting at, that change can be really good um, adding in different perspectives from different backgrounds. Yeah, I, I forget what coach I was listening <clears throat> to. Um, I love watching coaches' press conferences after games, so it kind of blends together. But one coach was saying – essentially that he, he only likes having coaches that aspire to be head coaches because of, you know, they're, they're always pressing for new ideas and they're always looking to, you know, go up, go up another level. And I think when you get those new ideas, um, it, it's only a positive. And I wanted to go back to um, the, the coach Chizik comment with his level of like honesty in, in the press conferences, because I think from his perspective, I think there's, almost like a, a, a certain level of like embarrassment there where you have a, a two-time national championship winning head coach um, as your defensive coordinator. And like this Carolina football team, it's, it's on his resume now where the numbers don't lie. Like Ross mentioned, they're, they're one of the worst defenses in the country. And last year they were, they were kind of hanging their hat on, you know, we won nine games. We, we went to the ACC championship game. But if you're if you're watching the film and you're taking a step back, those nine games and, and why they went to the ACC championship game had almost nothing to do with the defensive performance as a whole and more to do with having Drake May as your quarterback, having a, a top 25 offense that was kind of carrying this team. And I think, you know, I think there's a, a certain level of honesty that the coaches have to have when they're talking to the fans because the, the fans aren't stupid. They, they know that defense wasn't good. They, they can kind of hang their hat on whatever they wanted towards the end of last year. Um, but I, I don't think they're, you're not fooling anybody by saying that that Carolina defense was um, even borderline acceptable last year. Uh, terrible is the correct word. And I don't think they would deny it. And that's, that's why the flip has been interesting to me to see the difference in how they addressed it or dealt with it. Then um, they did get better and there's some good guys on that defense, but Monaquino said it today, the film does not lie. And that's uh that, that, that is what they're have rationaled and they're believing in now. Ross, you want to do us a read? Sure. An ad read? We'll be right back. Uh, quick addery here. I think get, get your questions in. We'll do a little basketball ta- talk on the second half. Uh, maybe some rapid fire questions. I don't want to produce here, but you know, you can guide the discussion. Uh, first one talks about Johnny T-shirt, johnnytshirt.com, your one-stop shop for all your UNC apparel needs, sweatshirts, hats, jerseys, baseball jerseys, football jerseys, basketball jerseys. Get all at Johnny T-shirt right on Franklin Street and online at johnnytshirt.com. Remember all inside Carolina subscribers get 10% off. So, you know, you should be subscribing anyway. Great scoop from Sherelle coming, you know, every other night about transfers, about the decision-making process for different UNC basketball players. So get that info, intel, and then um, get the 10% off the discount code. Also with Inside Carolina, I, mean, I sold four subscriptions last week to 
people in my workout group just by talking about it, all the scoop. And also, shout out. I know Wayne House loves the shout outs. He wow. said one of the best things about Inside Carolina subscriptions is the ticket, um, the ticket form. What's it called, Tommy? Ticket the, exchange. Uh, ticket exchange. Only available for premium members. I've gotten some tickets off there for friends and family as well. So Johnny T-shirt, johnnytshirt.com, uh, and then get 10% off with the Inside Carolina uh, membership. We'll be right back. Uh, some national ads with more basketball, maybe some football talk with On the Beat Live featuring Taylor Vipolis, John Bowman, Tommy Ashley, Adam Smith, and Ross Martin. All right, boys, we're back. It's On the Beat Live. What a great ad read from Ross Martin. Just, you know, the dulcet tones of the voice. Johnny T-shirt's got to be proud of that ad read. I wish I could do it that well for you folks, um, but I can't. So I defer to Ross whenever there's an opportunity. How about, the subtle, how about the subtle flex to four subscription drop? Yeah, right. I mean, I kind of was like, back to that? I was, I wish, I was like, you guys, you don't have to buy it just for me. I was like, but I was, I was trying to, I was like, look, Terrell scooped that one night, the mm-hmm. Sunday after they yeah. got, that was unbelievable. And I was like, dude, this is, that scoop was so incredible that I was just yep. telling people about it. And some people overheard, you know, me telling, talking about it. And like, I was like, look, I mean, it's 50% off for a subscription. And like, this is the time to do it because, it's so interesting reading what Strell has to say about basketball. I mean, the, the intel, just, you know, kind of the updates about when the meetings are happening and the thought process for each player. I, it's great. Yeah, I agree with that. And and what you do when you sell a subscription to people is they stop asking you the questions. They stop asking, <laughs> like, what's going on? And what's this? Just get on there and look. Like, right now, I'm looking at the UNC basketball premium message board, and I see article about a portal target. I see updates. I see all of this stuff, expert analysis, everything you could imagine over at UNC. I feel like I'm on QVC right now, uh, but it's worth it. It's 100% worth it these days. And we'd say that this is a rare time for Carolina basketball, especially. Uh, It's been this way for three seasons now. All this kind of stuff that's going on in the postseason and the transfer portal and Sherelle McMillan, Don Callahan, Worth the worth the price in spades over and over. Let's turn to basketball a little bit. I don't really have a whole lot else to say um, about what I've said about a basketball team. Dontre Styles, like you mentioned off the top, Ross, or like we talked about, is really the only news. Um, but, you know, Hubert Davis is shopping the portal. Adam, I'm going to get in here and ask you a question. We, we talked about coaches being more candid. And we felt like Mac and Chiswick have been that. When does that switch flip for Hubert, you think? Or does it? Or is it still too early? <laughs> I mean, that's like asking which way the wind's going to blow, Tommy, with Hubie. I mean, uh, that yeah, I have I have basketball takes. Um, and uh, I can go any number of ways with it. Uh, I, I mean – this, this is huge. We, you know, we can talk about this for the next four hours. I just think that right now it's just time for sort of Hubert to start over and, like, you know, just redo the team. You know, I, I don't know that – I don't know of two bigs. Um, I don't know. I just keep thinking about the, the two bigs with, with Armando and Pete. You know, I feel like you got to go four out. And if you're going to – if Armando comes back, keep him there, four out some true wing scorers. Um, you know, I, I've seen some discussion about how Carolina doesn't need to go the mid-major route with some of these guys. I can tell you this. 
the guy out of Towson, Nicholas Timberlake. If Carolina got him, I think that would be great. The guy can shoot his butt off. Now, uh, I don't think he's the next Steph Curry or Mike Miller or whoever you want to say, but I mean, he has a, he has, he is definitely not the next Justin Pierce. I mean, he has a specific skill that I think Carolina sorely obviously lacks. We all saw them play last year. We knew they needed shooting. The guy's a knockdown shooter. Uh, you know, catch and shoot. He can feel Adam it. Adam watches a lot of Towson CAA basketball, right? I mean, you watch this guy. I covered the guy. I mean, yeah. I two-time first team all CAA. I mean, I know that I know that when you hear what Justin Pierce and who was the guy to Charles Christian Keeling? Christian Keeling. Thank you. Couldn't think of his name. I know that it's kind of like, oh, but in my humble opinion, uh, I think Nicholas Timberlake could help Carolina. Who knows how it goes? I don't know. I don't know about Doug Wojcik's kid. Um, I don't know if anybody has sort of an assessment there. Carolina played Brown a couple years ago. I covered the game. I don't remember much about what's the guy's name? Paxson Wojcik. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't, I don't really have a strong opinion on him, but I do think that, uh, Nick Timberlake could help them. Well, Adam, one thing you said on the top was the uh, the two bigs, you know, kind of with Nance. I mean, who was UNC's first choice in the transfer portal last year? Matthew Mayer, right? Matthew Mayer. So yeah. he was more of the, I would say, more of the traditional stretch four three hybrid, whereas Pete Nance probably more of the four five hybrid, who was their yeah. second choice. That's kind of so clearly they they seek that more of that Brady Manic Matthew Mayer type shooter than what Pete Nance was. And obviously Pete Nance had could make some threes. He just didn't really do it very well at Carolina. I think Pete was a five that they were trying to make into a stretch four. And yep. um yeah, he could hit the shots. I mean, I that there's that video of him at the NFL draft. I mean NFL NBA draft combine and he's just stroking them, but there's nobody guarding him. And you know that obviously didn't come to fruition this season for basketball. But you know, I just I don't know. I think if, if Armando does come back, you know, I think you just tell him to crash the boards and try to put, uh, you know, they just need some perimeter scoring. And, you know, obviously they know that better than than I can sit here in Mebane, North Carolina, and tell them that. Well, look at who they've kind of reached out to already. It's guys who shoot really well. Yeah, I, something that's interesting. Uh, I'm sorry, Vip. I told you to go in the side chat, and then I'm going to step on you. I apologize. <laughs> because I want to hype Sherelle McMillan again. Um, I think what folks, if you haven't watched the Coast to Coast or you haven't read the article I'm on Coast to Coast, folks get so caught up with numbers, right? Everybody's fretting that Tyler Nickel left North Carolina. He shot, what, 22% three or something? It, it, and if it were the flip and Carolina was looking at a guy like that, people would say, oh, he shot 22% from three. Pass. I've seen pass so many times on the message boards. It's fit. It is all about fit and what they can do and fit with the other pieces of the puzzle. And everybody's in love with Ricky Council, and I get it. Northern Durham kid, like right up the road, he should have never gotten to Wichita State in Arkansas, however he did. But he didn't shoot it well, and he didn't do anything. He started seven games at Wichita State, and now he's a stud. So it's not all about the numbers. It's about the fit. Don't get lost in the stats just on their face. Sorry, Vip. Go ahead. Yeah, fit is important, but I was also going to say that, like, a, a lot of the the reluctancy, I think, that comes from Carolina fans when, when you're going after these mid-major players is the fact that Carolina has missed on on the mid-major players. But if you, if you look around the country, like, 
Jerome Tang from from Kansas State. Uh, he had a quote uh, after they beat Kentucky where he said, tradition doesn't help you if you don't get out there and play with some dudes. I think that's what Carolina is missing. They're missing playing with some dudes and playing with some dudes that have uh, a high basketball IQ. Now, if you have those guys and they fit together, your team is going to look a lot better. But, you know, th- just because Carolina has been burned by um, the – Justin Pierce transfer, the Christian Keeling, really that 1920 team where they were relying on a lot of those guys. I went through um, some of the Sweet 16 teams. Baylor Shireman was, I'm pretty sure Carolina was recruiting Baylor Shireman out of South Dakota State. He goes to Creighton. Uh, Sully Boom from UTEP goes to Xavier. Tyson Walker goes from Northeastern to Michigan State. Serge Abari Rice goes from New Mexico State to Texas, uh, Norchad O'Meara, who probably should have been the ACC player of the year at Miami. He goes from Arkansas State. Like, I, I don't think where you're getting the players, Matt, where you're getting the players from matters. Like if they could play, they could play. Um, and I think Carolina has just had a few bad misevaluations. Um, but, but players are, are outperforming their, their high school rankings all the time. And the, the flip side of that, where Carolina's gotten burned, uh, players kind of um, underperform their their high school evaluations too. When when you get somebody in, I know everybody. Once you get a commit, everybody's kind of like, "Oh, this is going to be one of the best players in, in Carolina history." Um, but you know, you, you can miss on evaluations both ways. I have a little bit of a different take on the transfer portal. I'm thinking about it more from the perspective of these guys who UNC may or may not be reaching out to. We've already listed a few of the names uh, tonight. But when if I'm a transfer portal recruit, I'm looking at how UNC used its, its bench this past season and really for the entire time under Hubert Davis's tenure. And I'm really concerned because if you're Brady Manick or you're Pete Nance, you're a transfer who comes in and you do get lucky and you get a stop, spot in this spot starting lineup, the Iron Five, you're going to play a lot of minutes. But if you're a transfer who's like right on the line and you see how Hubert Davis has used the bench, I would be a little worried that I'm going to come to North Carolina and I'm not going to play. And for every Brady Bannock and Pete Nance who made a bunch of impact, we have to also talk about Justin McCoy, who came from a Power 5 school. He wasn't even from one of those mid-major teams, and he has come to UNC and he hasn't made an impact. That's a little bit different with McCoy. I think that's a little bit more specific to his Uh, play style and maybe who he was as a player but I think this is a case of how Hubert Davis has managed this roster is going to hurt UNC in recruiting moving forward especially in the transfer portal if I'm a fifth year guy I can't have my fifth year be me coming off the bench and playing every other game or every three games and getting inconsistent minutes yeah I'm reading the chat here I think it was my guy Lewis Bass if I'm saying right watching the tournament confirms to me we didn't belong you know what, Lewis? I've had that thought too when I watched this tournament. Um, I've, you know, I don't know if it didn't belong, but I have watched a lot of games and I've been like, hmm, I don't know if Carolina could have could have dealt with them. Uh, you know, why? I mean, I know Kansas State is really good. We watched them a lot this year, but I mean, Marquise Noel, five eight out of Little Rock. I mean, whoo! You know, I think he would have eating R.J. Davis up. I mean, that guy is fun to watch. You know, there's I, I find myself watching some of these random games where I'm like, I don't know if Carolina would have had anything for them. So I kind of agree with Lewis there that, you know, 
Um, yeah, I think it might have been difficult for the Tar Heels. Ross, did you have something? Well, yeah, I mean, on that note, there's just different intensity some of these teams bring, it That's seems. Cool. Obviously, it's ramped up a little bit in the NCAA tournament. I, dude, I watched more basketball the last four days, you know, Thursday, Friday, than I have ever watched. I was locked in. Um, and because usually we're traveling with the team and covering them. Yeah, you know, I didn't travel last year to Fort Worth. I gave that to young Gregory. So I was locked in the games last uh, but last year. But usually we're traveling. When you travel and cover a team, you don't watch as much because you're working. But we didn't have to work this weekend. Um, I want to just point off, like, you know, kind of look at the roster. You know, we're about 10 minutes till 10. But, I mean, look at the way the roster stands right now. I might kind of lay this out to kind of create some conversation here. I mean, if Baycott and Davis, so let's count off. Baycott and Davis come back, that's two. If Johnson and Dunn come back, Puff Johnson, DeMarco Dunn, we don't know about those guys yet. Um, you know, that's four right there. We, we assume that Washington is coming back. I think that's been kind of confirmed. Trimble, so that's six right there. And then Will Shaver makes seven. You add the two incoming freshmen, Simeon Wilcher and Zayden High. That's nine players. Am I missing anybody? Baycott, Davis, Johnson, Dunn, Washington. Ooh, sorry. Trimble, Ooh. Shaver, Wilcher, and High. Am I missing anybody? I don't think so. Okay, that's nine. You know, Shaver could leave. You know, one of Johnson Dunn, you know, could could leave too. So they have an opportunity to bring in at least four transfers. Load up on shooters. You know, if you get – if you bring in three guys, they can shoot. One's going to hit, right? Increase the likelihood of of these – get positions of need, but load up on shooters. You know, you would think that one's going to hit. Yeah, kind of the same thing with Brady Manick and Dawson Garcia. One was a bust, kind of one wasn't, you know. Um, get your needs done if they need a, a you know a stretch four or, or a reserve five or a backup point guard or shooting guard, but load up on shooters. You know, maybe two won't hit, but maybe that one will. Um, and Barry Switzer here, I, I do not think that's the coach, the NFL, the uh, the former um, <laughs> Cowboys coach, but we are, I think everybody kind of realizes that Caleb Love, I think it seems that he is going to not play for Carolina next year. That's not official. We don't know. Um, I don't know. Boards, I've read threads that think otherwise, but we think there's going to be a different location for him. So I don't know if that that's any discussion there on transfer portal, roster building, kind of where UNC looks, but um, I, they definitely need, you know, three and D guys that can knock down um, shots and athleticism. Get some athletes. I think you see that in the tournament too. That's what I've kind of meant. Like, you know, you see, you see some of these teams that can get up and down or just can can defend, and some of them play so dang hard. I don't know. You know, maybe I'm just down on Carolina right now. But, um, yeah, anyway, go ahead, Vip. I know you've got something, don't you? Yeah, I'm, I'm laughing at, in my mind at the uh, we need a 6'7 wing who could shoot and drive. Uh <laughs> It's like everybody else. Yeah. A lot of those guys are in the NBA right now. They're, they're not sticking around in college and especially they're, they're not going to be in the transfer portal. Uh, but I think my biggest takeaway watching the, the first two rounds of, of the tournament was like, you know, I know a lot of people are down for the reasons we mentioned before on the mid majors, but like the, the term mid major is almost insulting at this point. Like yeah. the gap between the mid-majors and these the traditional blue bloods ha- has never been closer with, you know, Carolina at home right now, Kansas at home, Duke, Kentucky. Like, the, with the transfer portal, um, with that COVID fifth year, like, they've, they've found ways to kind of close the gap. And then going back to an earlier point that, that John had mentioned, um, 
about people being hesitant to come to Carolina because of uh, the way Hubert Davis used his bench. I think when players are getting recruited, their their egos all think I'm good enough to play at whatever school they're going to. They're kind of being recruited that way. And I, I think the, the bench point kind of goes both ways where, you know, Hubert Davis was coaching to try to win games. And for whatever reason, he didn't think the bench was going to do that. He, he sees those guys in practice. He sees them in, in their limited minutes and games. And he feels like the, the best way for Carolina to win games is the bench. So I think, I think you're trying to figure out how you can develop a bench and also um, how to get more talent on your bench. I, I think that's what Carolina is trying to figure out heading into next season. People Got were clowning in Miami last uh, last spring for giving Nigel Pack eight hundred thousand dollars in NIL. Nigel Pack's pretty freaking good. He's good. Yep. Uh, that whole team is good. They're carrying yeah. the ACC right now. Yeah, I, I'm sorry, uh, Vip. I I I placed the vote for Wong for Player of the Year. I, I know you said Omir should have been the Player of the Year, but I mean, it's, I, it was I also would have. Vo- I also would have voted and, for Wong. Yeah, but I think watching them play. Omir is their their most important person. Wong has the ability to win them games, uh, but also kind of play them out of games. To uh, he's like a, a better version of of Caleb Love was for for this Carolina team. Um, but I I think you saw when Omir went out in the ACC game in the I think it was the semifinal game against Duke. I, I didn't think. Yeah. I didn't think they had any chance when he got hurt one minute in. Um, and I think when you when you hear Miami people talk, Omir is kind of the the most important piece for for this Miami team. And you know they they survived against Drake, but they looked really really good against Indiana. And um, it should be a fun weekend of basketball still. Yeah, I've watched a ton. I agree with what Ross said. You watch a ton, and you watch it without the stress or worry of wondering what. It's going to happen with Carolina, whether you got to cover it or watch it or pull for them or whatever you do. So, yeah, I agree. I've watched a ton more basketball, and I agree. Watching all that basketball, I mean, Fairleigh Dickinson guards ran circles around Purdue's guards. Fairleigh Dickinson's guards ran circles around Purdue's guards. Think about it. Atlantic would give Carolina fits. Uh, I mean, it would be a it'd be a bad scene, man. It's just uh, with that coach ready, getting ready, cashing the check. From, probably uh, doesn't even, yeah, yeah, he probably doesn't even have to move though. Going to Iona. His his last three jobs have all been within like thirty minutes of each other. He's probably staying in the same place still. <laughs> just, Jersey guy. Just yeah. puts in a different address on the GPS. John sure. Bowman, we need a hot take from you, sir, before we get out of here. I am prepping a rapid fire segment here. So I'm gonna give each of you a question. You have to answer in less than three seconds. No, not that fast, but rapid fire. Okay. Adam, this sounds for you. Could UNC see any reclassifications? Do you think that would help the team next season? Don't know if it would help, but they could. Under three seconds, right? Is that what we're doing? That was pretty good. It doesn't Time. have to be work, but <laughs> This is for Taylor. Taylor, do you think Cuff is a starter next season? Unfortunately, not for Carolina to be a tournament team. Time. Well, that's a different question. It says, do you think he can start or will he start? Those are two different questions. Will he start on a tournament team? No. This question is for Ross from Little Popester. If Hubert doesn't yeah. make the tourney next year, is he gone? No. Why not? Time. 
<laughs> I, I think um, you know. I think 2024 class is is important, and uh, yeah, making term not making two years would be tough. But they were close this year. It's not like it was an eight and twenty year. You know, this Ooh, last one low is standards. For, low standards there. <laughs> this one is for Tommy. Can Hubert add value to a transfer? Can he offer anything other than an opportunity to play and NIL money? Does he still have that NBA card to play as a value uh, to recruits? What do you think, Tommy? Oh, what do you mean NBA card? I need clarification before my three seconds are up. Do you think that he still has the pull as a guy who can develop shooters, as someone who played the NBA, or has these first two years as him being coach, maybe has that uh, eroded that a little bit as a recruiting calling card for Hubert? Uh, I think he can still sell it a little bit, but I mean, this was the worst shooting team or one of the worst shooting teams in the history of Carolina basketball. So that's going to be a tough sell. I think the the value, the opportunity to play, and the NIL is why they can add, is why <laughs> is why they can add a valuable transfer. I was in mid sentence. I was in mid stroke. I get it in mid stroke. <laughs> This this is why I'm a part-time producer and Taylor and Tommy are the real producers because that was probably too short. But good segment, everyone. Good segment. I, I have a headache now. I think I saw stars when you yelled time in my ear, Taylor. <laughs> Let's get out of here. It's been on the beat. It's about 10 o'clock. Uh, we will be – I guess will we be back next week? Yeah. There will probably be some news to talk about. More spring football, open practice on Saturday in Kenyon Stadium. If you're in Chapel Hill or in the area, go by there. It's a good day to go see Kenyon Stadium with some players running around. You might see some of the inside Carolina staff. Hit them up. I'll be hiding. It's Taylor Vipolis, John Bowman, Adam Smith, Ross Martin. It's been On the Beat with Johnny T-Shirt and johnnytshirt.com. Peace out, folks. Be safe. <laughs>